Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Out of the gates and ready to go. Out, we've got a great show on the other side. Outkick 360. Hot mic with Hutton and Withrow. Uh, Chad, this is the first time that's happened. That's amazing. And we are, uh, what, a couple months in? Yeah. Not a bad job at all. You know what it was? Round of applause for Jonathan Hutton for lasting this long to not say it the right way. This is what happened to me right before the show. I'm updating a story that I wrote last year for Memorial Day on Nick Moses, and it references the soldier over the shoulder of Outkick 360. I'm looking at the headline. Yeah. And I said it. It happens. It it happens. It's hot mic. It happens all the time. We are uh, live across the Outkick Network, which includes YouTube. You can subscribe to the channel. Join us there. Great show planned today. Michael McHenry, our MLB expert, analyst for the Pittsburgh Pirates, who continue to play very well. We'll dive into a variety of topics, including the AL East, top to bottom, better than the best team in the AL Central currently. We'll get his take on all of the top MLB headlines. John McClain will help us understand the NFL rule changes and the teams that opted to change their vote from this past March at the owners' meeting where they voted no for Thursday night football flex scheduling and then voted yes. There are two franchises for that. John dives in in an hour and a half. Plus, Logan Ryan, current free agent in the NFL, he will hit a, a number of different hot-button issues with us on Hot Mike in hour number three. He's in town uh, from Tampa Bay, maybe potentially uh, finding another franchise soon. Who knows? Chad, good, good afternoon. Uh, good afternoon, Hutton. Uh, I will find another softball game as my nice. uh, little Red Sox won last night good. in advance to survive in advance now. It's all single elimination for us, and uh, we won. It felt like, as, the, as a coach watching it, girls played so well, I couldn't help but think, this kind of feels like our last hurrah <laughs> this season. As the game was in, I'm thinking, you know, if it ends, to, which is now tonight, but tomorrow night, that that sweet victory and playing that well and hitting that well it feels worth it now and that felt like our last gasp of really playing great but that's not going to stop me from giving my all tonight on that mound there we go as a coach pitch pitcher with the little red Sox as we advance in the tournament the elbow, i'm excited the elbow feeling okay the shoulder okay? yeah i'll tell you what happened though uh i spent all day yesterday drinking coffee and not water <laughs> And I got to the park an hour before the game, and I said, anyone who wants to get in the cage and hit with me can. So I threw to 12 girls a bucket of 20 balls each. Good. And by the time first pitch got there, I had to look over and ask for someone to go get me a water because I felt <laughs> like I was going to pass out. I, I got that, you know, that lightheaded feeling when you stand light? up too fast? Yeah. And I was like, Very man, I, I had the sweat ring that went down below the nipples all the way down, <laughs> like perfectly, uh, perfect you. On the shirt with sweat before the game, like Clay when he ran the marathon. Y- yes, yeah, I, I didn't tape it up though. <laughs> you know, I didn't. I, there was no need to tape it up. I wasn't running a marathon, but it was a hot, humid night. Once the sun went down, it was perfect. Once I got a bottle of water in me, I was good to go. But I did think, man, should I be here throwing this many pitches to this many girls in warmups before pitching a game? But you know what I'm gonna do, Hutton? 
I'm going to do it again tonight. tonight. We're going to get there early it tonight. It's not the last hurrah. It worked last night with the hitting, so we're going to do it again tonight. Well, so I want to get to this broader topic coming up, which is today's headline is about the team and specifically the player that was just swept in the Western Conference Finals and not the team that's headed to their first NBA Finals. LeBron James leads the headline across the NBA despite the Nuggets winning in four games. And... Is it his last hurrah? That's the headline today. Based on how he ended last night's press conference, he was asked multiple times during a, what, 10 to 12-minute presser about next season. And a couple of different questions. He said, hey, I'm not thinking about next season yet. Another question he answered was in regards to the roster and whether or not he felt like the roster was built to make a run deeper than where they ended in four games against the Nuggets. And he answered that by saying, Rob... The, the general manager and the team, they have some player options to take care of and some other things. Also on the table for LeBron for next year, he could be, if he retires, turning down $100 million potentially based on an extension he signed last offseason because he has a player option coming up that has not kicked in yet. But Chad, I, we are talking about a billionaire in LeBron James. And I'm not sure what the 47 to 60 million that could be on the table for next year means for him in regards to how he's going to play his cards on the table this offseason. Because this would be a Michael Jordan-esque move in the new era of the NBA. We have certainly discussed the options he could have if he waits one year, potentially two, but I think we, we all believe one for Bronny James to enter the NBA. And we also know he would like to dabble in ownership of the Las Vegas expansion franchise. With that being said, I do think he wants to play with his son. I don't think he's done. He put up 40 and, what, 15 last night. He's not done. He did that on a bum ankle. And he did it while, uh, right after he was motivated because of the dress rehearsal of a trophy celebration uh, at the uh, crypto arena, uh, formerly known as Staples Center in LA, where on the other end of the floor, they're going through the dress rehearsal for the Western Conference champions, soon to be Denver Nuggets, while he's going through warmups. I don't think he's done playing. But if he steps away, I think it's like Brady stepping away for 40 days and not calling it quits, because I don't think the career is over for the King. And if anything, he was being very coy with his answer because he wants to see the pieces in place wherever he ends up. But it's going to be in L.A. potentially uh, with his son, I think. I think that's the grand scheme in all of this. I don't know how he makes that happen when there's an NBA draft. But, Chad, we've seen crazier things. And when you're LeBron James, you get what you want, and there's no taunting the king. Memphis found out the hard way. But the career's not over. He also gave the, uh, the career assessment for Carmel Carmelo Anthony, who retired 19 years into the league. Of course, LeBron's in his 20th, soon to be 21st. I don't get the vibe that he's taking a step back and calling it quits. But, I mean, he's got all the money in the world. So, from his standpoint, he gets to call the shots. And if he doesn't get that opportunity, he'll step away and then choose where he wants to resurface. The inclination, and that, that ties in with Jordan. Well, the inclination to be dramatic at the end of any season for any athlete, great or not, I think is overwhelming. So, he, not that he was, you know, crying and no, he was actually making very big relaxed. statements. Yeah, very relaxed. But point being, the 
reflecting on a season and on a career, but in the moment when you're asked about it, you you know your mind isn't immediately your, your mind is on well we just lost and got swept. It's not well I got to get back in the gym and start getting ready for next year already. Yeah, it's more of a well we'll see. You know, there's a lot of a lot of questions to answer. You know, we'll see. That I think that's natural human response to something like that. You don't want to immediately jump right back in it. Um, I think you summed it up well, Hutton, on, on intentions and what's probably going to happen, what's likely to happen in this whole thing. I don't think LeBron James is done. I think he's beaten down. I think he's hurt at the end of the year. I think he played a great game last night and almost uh, won the game for yeah. the Lakers in the end. So he's got something left in the tank, especially after an offseason where he can heal and get ready to go. I also believe he wants to play with his son. A lot of people in the YouTube chat are pointing that out as well. He said as much. Something very interesting that LeBron James said also was, I don't know if that's my son's vision. That's what I want, but I don't know what he wants. I don't know if that's his goal, is to just play with his dad or stick around long enough to play with his dad, which I found interesting. But I think he's going to play until his son is in the league at least, which is maybe a year from now. And I also thought about this last night when I saw these headlines. Don't you think Bronny James in part, not in, in total, but in part, Chose USC because it's in Los Angeles where his father plays. Oh, yeah. So with that in mind, and knowing that LeBron was on visits with him, specifically Ohio State and others, I don't think he's leaving the city just because his, his son's going based on where he's going to college. That's not my point. My point being, I don't think Bronny James is choosing USC if he knew that his father was going to go play on the other coast. Personally. Yeah, Matt on the YouTube chat is saying that man ain't retiring. He's trying to ball with his son. Exactly. I, I, I agree. I, I do think that's his goal. And I, I'm with you, Hutton. There were a lot of other opportunities to bolt away from dad if you wanted to for Bronny James. And, it and puts he stayed pressure, in L.A. And it puts pressure on the organization I, of the also, Lakers to upgrade the roster. It, it, let's be real about it. It's also a business opportunity. Sure. I mean, they're based now. They live in Los Angeles. That's where he's from. That's where he's been playing AAU ball. They've got a whole base of operation around Los Angeles and Southern California, so it makes sense from an economic standpoint yep. for him to stay at home and play for USC, especially if it's a one-year leap or two-year leap straight to the NBA. And if he retires now, he loses the, the entire sum of what the contract extension was last offseason. It's $46 million and change this coming season, next season for LeBron, and then a, a player option that he can opt into for 50.6. So that's where the $100 million comes in. But he signed that last offseason. I don't think he's stepping away. And I do think Bronny James is a part of this, this total plan. The plan for the Denver Nuggets is to win the Larry O'Brien trophy. I, I loved Jokic's answer last night at the podium where he's being interviewed. And the, the, the question is, hey, what does this trophy mean to you, pointing to the Western Conference Championship? Because they had just won the title for the first time in, organizations, in the organization's history. And he, one word, nothing. They are gunning for the title. And Chad, top to bottom, they are the best team. They've been that way throughout the season. Thought of you whenever you mentioned the, the Heat don't need to win it as an eight seed. I don't think anyone's coming close to winning it because Denver just advanced. Even LeBron and AD spoke about that prior to post-game media availability. Me and AD were just talking in the locker room uh, for a little bit. I think we came to the consensus that, um, you know, if not 
one of the best, probably the best team that we've played since we've been together for our four years. They're just well orchestrated, well put together. They have scoring, they have shooting, they have playmaking, they have smarts, they have length, they have depth. And uh, one thing about their team, when you have a guy like Joker who, as big as he is, but also as cerebral he is, you can't really make many mistakes versus, versus a guy like that. And even when you guard him for one of the best possessions that you think you've guarded him, he puts the ball behind his head, Larry Bird style, and shoots it 50 feet in the air, and it goes in. I think he did it like four or five times this series. Sounds like LeBron, if he had an MVP vote, would have put Jokic on the uh, the ballot, unlike Mark Jackson, who's calling games. Mark Jackson instead decided to put Shy Gilgis Alexander and Donovan Mitchell ahead of Nikola Jokic on his MVP ballot. I cannot help but watch these games on ESPN with Mark Jackson on the call. A very subdued Mark Jackson. Jeff Van Gundy is his normal cantankerous self in every broadcast. <laughs> Not the yeah. case with Mark Jackson. Uh, and I cannot help but think that as he watches these games and he watches Jokic just put on a, a one-man fundamental exposition of what the game could be when you get the right amount of size mm -hmm. and the right amount of basketball savant ability and you can do literally everything. You can pull the ball behind your head and shoot a three. You can score in different angles. You rebound. You can pass. You see the floor like a point guard and you have assist. And I cannot help but think that Mark Jackson watches these games and thinks, what in the hell was I thinking? How did I leave this guy off of my top five? <laughs> Many of you will say that there were evil designs behind this. You'll, you'll say racism. You'll say whatever type of statement Mark Jackson was trying to make. I can't help but believe the guy when he says it was just an oversight and a big mistake. And he even owned it and said, if you want to take away my MVP vote, go ahead because it was an awful mistake on my end. Of course, he's one of the top five players in the league. And a top 10 center all time. Yeah, and I choose to believe him in his explanation on this, but I also choose to believe that this is incredibly uncomfortable for Mark Jackson to watch these Denver Nuggets, led by Joker, and think anything other than, I am an idiot. Well, but also, let, let's add in, 70% of the first place votes went to Joel Embiid. So everyone that had Embiid at the top of the ballot, do they feel at least half as stupid as Mark Jackson no, does? I don't, I don't think so. I mean, it, it, there's an argument to be made for Embiid. Now, I, I watch the playoffs, and I think if it's a playoff award, that dude disappeared. He but, couldn't do anything, and Jokic is taking over and, games. And, and Jokic he, he was couldn't. the back-to-back -back MVP. Right. And there was some fatigue there. I think that played a factor. And, you know, Kendrick Perkins, saying what Kendrick well, Perkins said. I do think that probably fires up some people as well, and there's a, a natural backlash. Well, I wonder what Kendrick Perkins is thinking, watching Jokic play well, and listening to LeBron. Kendrick Perkins you know, doesn't even understand, I think, who votes for it <laughs> based on what he was saying. And, wow. um, that's a, that was a big win for J.J. Redick in that discussion and debate between those two. I think anyone that watches, if you watch Jokic and you don't understand how difficult it is for him to do what he's doing – and how he fills up a stat sheet, and how you can run everything through a six foot eleven post player the way they do, and the well, different things he can do during a game, and you don't understand that, then you you've maybe well, never watched the game before. The, the shot he hit with three and a half minutes to play, he's just it, it looks like he's just throwing it up there. But I mean, Le LeBron also mentioned in the answer, he's like he was hitting shots like this, Larry Bird style, 
five or six times during the series, and he has he's wearing a ball cap. He just he goes, you have to just do this, and he just tips the cap. Like there's nothing you can do to defend that, and he's doing it on the routine. It's not some fluke. It's incredible. Yeah, LeBron was very very complimentary. I think Le- I found LeBron to be very likable during these playoffs. Quite honestly, the way he's handled games uh, post game. The, how respectful he was of the Nuggets and the team they've built. And he went to great lengths to talk about not just Jokic and his greatness and his basketball IQ, which he said most people don't really acknowledge, but that's one of the keys to his greatness. But talking about the whole team, the depth, the way they've been engineered, the shooting that they have, how they can go on these big runs. These Nuggets are fun to watch, Hutton. It reminds me of the early Warriors team when they started to catch fire and you started looking at it thinking, man, this is a team that could win multiple championships. I feel the same way about the Nuggets right now. They are built to win multiple championships. Coming up, we'll uh, get to more discussion on Denver and then tonight, a closeout game potentially for the Miami Heat against the Boston Celtics. Uh, Chad, 20-year Oakland A's play-by-play announcer, Glenn Kuyper, he's been fired by the Oakland A's after what was a weeks-long investigation and uh, background into a racial slur that he used on the air recently. He was describing a trip to Kansas City where he toured the Negro League Museum. Um, And instead of Negro, used a racial slur in describing the trip and then spent the next three hours on the broadcast apologizing for what was a slip. And, I mean, weeks-long investigation means they spoke to people internally. And uh, the A's did, and they come to the conclusion that he's fired. This is the best example I can point to uh, for words over actions, because based on the way this story played out, and even the director of the museum has said he believes in forgiveness more than punishment based on this. And this was prior to the announcement that he had been terminated. This is reacting to the vitriol of words instead of intent and action. And if I'm Glenn Kuyper, I am demanding the A's turn over the findings of their weeks-long investigation as to what led to not being fired initially and then an investigation that led to him being fired. Um, He put out a lengthy statement also saying, you know, he's been doing this for 20 years. He's operated with integrity. Ask people who know him. Ask people who've worked with him. Uh, that's not who he is. He he misspoke, saying a word. Um, should he be you know punished? Maybe sure. I mean I think people would understand that a suspension, but to fire him after this investigation and maybe Glenn Kuyper goes to the A's and says show me what you found in the investigation and they show him what he found. He said okay I'll be quiet. Let's not go public with that. Right? I don't know. No one knows what the A's found in this investigation or. Did the Oakland A's simply cave to the culture we're in right now and just give themselves a few weeks to gather themselves to fire him, knowing they were probably going to fire him from the get-go, and they used the guise of this investigation? Also amazing to me that the A's and their their television partner, that they go through weeks-long investigation, yet they can't send out an email as an organization to renew season tickets. It's just funny to me that this organization that is intentionally tanking right now is going through a weeks-long investigation to fire 
a known and well-liked broadcaster for their team Two plus decades. over a slip-up of words. Well, Amazing to me. A part of the investigation points to a source on the, on the grounds of anonymity. So even if he wanted to point to details of the investigation, it's someone that he doesn't know that is saying something behind the scenes. From the, from the story, a person familiar with the investigation said, quote, the decision was based on a variety of factors, including information uncovered in the internal review. The person spoke on condition of anonymity, did not divulge specific details because the network had not publicly disclosed the results. So that leads others across the country to retweet that portion to Glenn Kuyper and say, hey, if you want to show character integrity, release what was found in this investigation. But that's on the A's. Yeah, they have and, to do it. And like you're saying, Chad, they're pointing to the one slip-up after a weeks-long investigation. It doesn't take a couple of weeks to figure it out if you're going to relieve the guy of his job based on a word. And if you're going to fire him in this investigation based on an anonymous tip or someone within the organization saying something bad about him, I then have a boatload of other questions. No what doubt. did this person what, what are, were they set to gain the by this? Factors? Do yes. they want his job? Do they get elevated if he's no longer employed? There's a bunch of other questions that I would ask about the position of the person. Now, if it's someone who has absolutely nothing to gain by telling the truth in this, then okay, you, you got to listen to them. But I'm cynical. I'm immediately thinking about Me too. what did the person that anonymously said, I want to remain anonymous, but this, this, and this happened. What did they gain by him getting fired? And I think you'll find they probably gained something. I, I want to, we'll, we'll lead off with this, with Michael McHenry when we return, because internally, I want to know what it's like in a clubhouse when something like this hits. And this is being discussed in a locker room or in a clubhouse for Major League Baseball. We'll be joined by Michael McHenry when we return on Hot Mike. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Hutton Withrow with Hot Mike across the Outkick Network. You can join us on YouTube as well. Hope you'll subscribe to the Outkick channel. Michael McHenry joins us, MLB analyst. Does great work with the Pittsburgh Pirates and more, former Major League catcher. The Fort joins us. Michael, good to see you, man. Stop it with that introduction. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Happy to be here as always, boys. Yeah, man. Hey, so we we went into the break discussing Glenn Kuyper and uh, the, the A's deciding that they were firing him. They were terminating his contract after a week's-long investigation into a racial slur that he used on air uh, on an A's broadcast after visiting a Negro museum, Negro League museum in Kansas City, and he was detailing that. Uh, internally, just uh, clubhouse-wise, are guys talking about this, or, or would they, if you were a part of an organization that was doing something uh, or knew of the guy that had been there for decades? In this case, Kuyper's been there for 20-plus years. What would it be like behind the scenes? 
I think there'd be a lot of talk behind the scenes and not a talk enough talk out front. I I believe in grace. I'm I'm a I'm a saved individual. I'm a believer. He who has not sinned casts the first stone. This guy has been doing this for a long time. He made a mistake. And you guys being on air, we're all going to make mistakes. We're all going to say something that someone doesn't like. This was a huge gaffe. He shouldn't have done it. It was a huge mistake. He went on and on and on and on about this apology. And I, I think sometimes we just have to remember that we have to forgive people. They, they, we can't demonize people for one mistake. I mean, this guy's has a pretty good track record of being really good on air, saying the right things. He made a huge mistake. Forgive him, but they made it linger. It's like they wanted to keep him there, but they just got too much of the media behind it, too much uh, pushback, and they're, therefore he's out. And I, and I think sometimes you get to see who your real friends are, who really believes in you, who really step up. When things don't go the way you want them to, you make a mistake, your friends and family really step up in that time. I feel like a lot of people just let him – get ran over by a bus. And Chad, that, that's certainly the feeling, uh, even externally with this, because if it's weeks long, there are plenty of opportunities to step forward and say something. Well, and uh, there's some people... Maybe it our, doesn't matter. Well, there's some people even in our YouTube chat saying, well, they're doing this to appease Las Vegas. Uh, that They're working with Clark County right now to try to get a, a, a better deal, and they need to do this for optics to deal with Las Vegas. And I'm thinking, does Clark County and the city of Las Vegas and their politics care at all about the play-by-play voice? Of the Oakland days, if they want to bring in a team. I mean, maybe they do, Not but I, I wouldn't think season. that'd be a problem, right? I, I wouldn't think so. I mean, they're still in Oakland. they got, they got to finish this year. It's going to take some time. And if that really is a game changer, I mean, that's just kind of tired, in my opinion. So, Ronald Acuna right now, Michael, oh. 46 runs scored, 61 hits, 19 steals. Uh, 107 total bases, 3.1 is his war, first in Major League Baseball. The only two players to lead their league in both stolen bases and OPS in the same season. There's two guys that have done it. Ricky Henderson and Willie Mays did it twice. That is the pace Ronald Acuna's on right now. How great is this guy? I, I think great Maybe an understatement for the season he's having. And I think it's the pushback from last year. He didn't have the year he wanted. He came off, back off that ACL injury maybe a little too fast, almost like a superhuman. Some of these guys heal like Wolverine, like Bryce Harper and Cuna uh, Jr. And what you don't realize is they're they're doing that because they're under contract. They're allowed to maybe not be that 100%. They're at 85 90%, but they're going out because they love the guys around them. They want to get out there on the field, know they can make some type of impact. And, I mean, I'm telling you right now, I'd take Cuna Jr. or Bryce Harper – any day of the week at 80%, the most players at 150%. This guy's special. I don't think we realize how special. I mean, watching him still third base with that baseball IQ just the other night was remarkable. I mean, he just takes off. Guy walks. They're not paying attention. You have the uh, shortstop, third baseman, kind of turn their back, head down. He takes off for third base, gets there uncontested. This guy is a special breed of talent. Michael McHenry with us here on Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow across the Outkick Network. Uh, Michael's on uh, this Tuesday. Kurt Schilling joins us next Tuesday, every other week. They're rotating with us, and we're loving it. And uh, also loving the Kurt Schilling baseball show, available every Tuesday and Friday at Outkick.com, where this week's episode, uh, he's giving love to my Baltimore Orioles, and specifically mm -hmm. one player, the, the young catcher who, and Michael, I'll let you hear it from Kurt, he's comparing to a Twins great. And I've said it, Bill, since day one, uh, 
The O's went into Toronto and dominated uh, Toronto and improved their road record to 16 and 8. They have 18 come from behind wins, which is kind of ridiculous in in a month and a half. Um, They're at the top third of Major League Baseball in pitching, hitting. They don't lead in any, which is not a problem. Their run differential is plus 41, which is sixth. Uh, They start a uh, three-game series in New York. Versus the Yankees, they're real. They're, this is a real team. <clears throat> I think Adley Rushman might be the best player in baseball all around. Um, when you can consider and, 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 and include <clears throat> offense, defense, and off-the-field stuff, I think if you're starting a franchise, he'd be one of the two or three guys whose name you would probably start with. Um, and it's real. Like I said, I think he's Joe Maurer uh, with a little more power. Um, and Joe Maurer is a borderline Hall of Fame player. I just want to see the kids stay healthy because he's a special, special talent. And and they have young talent in the big leagues, a lot of young players. But those comeback wins and those come-from-behind wins are things that uh, fuel a young team and get them into a place where they're never out, you know, bottom of the eighth down three. The game's not over for them. Whereas, they're, you know, other teams are like, okay, you know, this is a situation where, yeah, let's go get them tomorrow. They don't have that. and And I think a lot of that has to do with – with what's going on on the field, but I think off the field as well. And you know what? On a personal note, I am happy as hell for the people of Baltimore. This is a fan base that deserves a winner. Um, they've been butchered by a horrific ownership for for too long. Um, hasn't really changed, but their scouting department, the baseball department, has overcome their ownership deficiencies to make this a very, very good team. Kurt Schilling, baseball show available now at outkick.com. All right, Mike, what do you think about uh, the, the comments there from Schilling on Rushman? I think it's an understatement. I, I think he's better than that. I think this guy's amazing. So let's go back to May 21st of last year. 16 and 24 is what the Orioles are. Since that time, every start, 90 and 60, Rushman has mm-hmm. been in his starts. They're 98 and 71 overall. This guy's been remarkable. The only player, the only player better than Adley Rushman, since he got called up, is Aaron Judge, based on war matrix. Now, let's go to historical starts, right? Maybe Carlton Fisk, Mike Piazza, and Thurman Munson, the only three rookies with a better rookie season as a catcher in all of baseball. Yes, this guy's Joe Maurer times two plus four, and you know maybe add a couple more onto it. This guy's a special breed. And it is off the field. It is on the field. It's the way he's able to carry a staff as a youngster. I mean, he's 25 years old. The only thing Baltimore should be thinking right now is when are we locking this guy up and how long can we keep him? Because he's a guy that you say he's going to give his heart and soul for this team. He's going to do everything possible. If he does get hurt, which is always the, the thing that people talk about, it doesn't matter. He still makes your team better. Just his presence in that locker room makes the team better. I didn't talk about his offense, but I will real quick. 271, seven armors, 25 RBIs, career over 815 OPS. This guy is doing it from both sides. He hits right in the middle of the lineup, switch hitter, and he's only getting better. Everything, and I'm not kidding, everything is improved based on last year to this year. Orioles three games back of the Rays who lead the AL East. What would be understating the AL East right now? The fact that they're better than the the, the best team in the AL Central? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I do love that MLB made the decision that everyone has to play everyone. I I think it's kind of going to show the talent deficiencies 
when you go to divisions, but that AL East and that NL East are just so, so powerful right now. It's, it's kind of remarkable. I've been very fortunate to watch the Blue Jays in person, to watch uh, Baltimore in person. These guys are really, really good. And if they're in another division, they're at the top. You know, Toronto is what, fourth in, in, that, in that division right now? The reality of it is they're first in a lot of divisions right now because that is an absolute juggernaut division. So let's go into the segment I like to call the catcher's corner right now with uh, Michael, where I get in depth on the catching, uh, the catching science in Major League Baseball. Will Smith, Dodgers catcher last night, gets hit by the backswing of Marcelo Zuna, and it starts a benches clearing near situation when he has strong words for Ozuna. Will Smith is saying, "I know he's not doing it on purpose, but he constantly hits catchers in the head with his backswing." You'd think he would have corrected it. At this point, is Ozuna in the wrong for not correcting this problem? Or is this an issue that catchers just have to deal with? The guy's been playing in the major leagues for a decade. He's a $100 million player. How do you change your backswing after a decade? I mean, I get where Will Smith is. I got hit a lot. But you are putting on the tools of ignorance saying, come on. I'm I'm going to be a test dummy sometimes. I just have to have that reality. Where Will Smith is frustrated is the the concussion protocol. It's very tough to get back on the field. They do all this testing. You have to do it in spring training, and it's almost impossible to to feel like you're going to pass that test because you're doing it in spring training fresh, and then you have to take it, you know, post concussion syndromes, and you're seeing double or whatever it is and you're dehydrated all that jazz so to get back on the field you don't want to get back off and there there there's so much behind all that right now we just saw what the NFL did right they they just did something because of the uh, concussions it's not getting better right so they need to figure out a way maybe a re-entry rule figure out some things that they can do to protect these guys but what they're doing isn't helping and I think that was the sensitivity that Will Smith really had Chad's finding it difficult to coach catchers yeah, I, I really want to spend some time with you, maybe even offline, uh, trying to find out how to get someone excited about catching. What was your start in catching, Michael? Let's let's start there. Were you chosen to be the catcher? <laughs> did you decide you want to do it? Did your dad play catcher and teach you how to do it? How did you get your start? Lord, my dad never played catcher. I was like a Tasmanian devil, and that's what you want to find. Find one of your better athletes that maybe can't sit still, and that's who you throw behind the plate. So the parents of my better athletes will not let them play catcher. That's a big problem I run into, right? They're all shortstops, pitchers, first basemen, middle infielders, maybe third base. But if I bring up, hey, would your you know daughter want to catch? Uh, I get a lot of blank stares at that point <laughs> if I ask the question. Well, the thing is, look at how the positions change over the last couple of years. We were just talking about Adley Rushman. That guy could probably play right field. We have a a 1-1 in the Pirates organization that is a catcher that is playing right field. We have another guy that's top prospect, top 100 prospect that's a catcher. He's played first, he's played second, he's played third, he's played outfield. The reality of it is it takes a great athlete to be behind the plate. And I think if they understand that, especially as they go up the ladder, one of the best players on every team you're going to see is going to be the catcher now, right? And the fastest way to the big leagues is always up the middle. And I would say shortstop's probably one of the hardest up the middle realities but if you're not a left-handed pitcher or if you're not a Kurt Schilling type that throws fuzz right-handed your next best option is to be a catcher and if you can do it defensively you don't even have to hit our catcher with the Pittsburgh Pirates 
is on pace to win a gold glove. Guy's hitting 154. He got $5 million. Just tell him that. He's hitting 154. He got $5 million. The guy is remarkable at controlling a, a, a staff, receiving, blocking, all the little things. He brings to the table, and you're a part of every single play. That's the coolest thing. You should start a catcher's camp. Just the Michael, Michael McHenry. You've got a catcher's camp going on? I mean, this Anybody is a great motivational come, speech. It's on me. You guys want to bring them? It's on me, guys. No problem. I do one in Knoxville. I'll do one in Nashville. If you want this year, we can uh, say it's sponsored by Outkicked. And you hey, guys. Do. How are your knees? I had five pretty serious uh, surgeries, but I'm fine. Honestly, <laughs> I, I, I really can't complain. I mean, the motivational speech really went uh, south at the end. You know, only five no, 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 surgeries. No, no, no. That's, what, hey, listen, listen, that's listen, what I think of when I think of catching her. Five surgeries, no, no, but no, I feel listen, great they, now. They catch on their knee marathon. nowadays. Who cares, right? They catch on their knees. Yeah. Okay. I mean, you're walking, right? Like, you're moving around okay? <laughs> I, I squatted 400 pounds two days ago. We're set. Okay. okay. Yeah. So you can't skip the line at an amusement park yet, but you're on your way. This story has a happy I'm ending is what we're I saying. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't say I was intelligent, guys. Hey, I went maybe a little too hard at times. We'll, we'll never claim that either. And by the way, we do take you up on the offer if you want to. If we do the catchers camp, uh, I got to. Once I find uh, girls on my softball team, my trial team that want to catch, I've got one right now. We went out and bought the equipment. I need. I need to bring Michael in for the motivational speech about getting people excited about catching. I won't be there uh, to to <laughs> offer the follow up question, so it's all good on the knees. Hey, uh, Fort, great to great to see you, man, as always, and uh, can't wait for uh, your next visit on the show. Hey, I appreciate it, guys. And tell tell your girls, girls are always the best at a young age. So just tell them to be better than the boys, and usually that works. Love it. Love it, Michael. I can see him having right, some Matt you. Foley, Chris Farley type uh, motivational speaker yeah. elements to his presentation if I introduced <laughs> him and brought him in to talk to the team. It'd be great. Maybe that, I'll, go, I'll come in in a van. He's been uh, he's been down in the basement chugging coffee for the last two hours, and I think he's ready to go Listen now. Up, kids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, got it. Perfect. Later, Thanks, bro. Michael. Yeah, see you guys. Michael McKittery. The Fort. Hey, man, how are your knees? Well, I've had five surgeries, but I feel great. Uh, I love that. That was a great follow-up question by you. I didn't, did you know that he had, had five surgeries? No, no, but I think of catching. Like, why, why didn't I try that? I'm thinking because I didn't like to squat. Like, he's so – the fort is so optimistic and positive at all times that even he, he made he take a six. He made five knee surgeries sound fun. Yeah, like I'm, I mean, I'm great. Like Knees are that. perfect. Five surgeries later, they're completely corrected. It's a now. gift. I can almost walk normally. It's great. I love it. Love so, my life. Loves it so much. He wants a sixth. Yeah, he's going to choose the knee. What can I do? I, oh, what can I do to get a six? Oh, I just squatted 400 pounds. If I do that a few more times, I'll have a six knee surgery. Coming up, the Dodgers can't make up their mind on Pride Night. This is hot Mike. Hot Mike with Honey Withrow rolls on. Chad, if you were the owner of a professional team. I like the scenario. I already know the answer to I this. I love the scenario. Or let's just say you're the commissioner of a of a league, a major league. Mm-hmm. Your stance on fill-in-the-blank nights at the ballpark or at the stadium or honoring one group over another would be what? My stance, Hunt, would be very simple. I'd like this camera right now as I deliver this as the owner of this fictional pro sports team. Here is my stance. We don't have any. We have no stances here on this team. Our stance is to provide you with, with our best efforts, a winning product 
the best team that we can possibly field. We will treat you like family. Anyone who wants to pay for a ticket and come to my ballpark, my arena, my football stadium, to my pitch, whatever it is that I own, you are all welcome. Money spends at every concession. Money spends on suites and season tickets and everything else. And I promise you this. I vow this to you. We stand for one thing, this ball club. That's it. That's what we are about. We are here to provide entertainment for you. We are here to provide community for you. We stand for nothing. And this, Hutton, is another example of an organization not using my brilliant stance, if I'm a pro owner, and how it backfires quickly. So the Dodgers are re-inviting, re-inviting the re-invitation sisters of perpetual indulgence back to the la dodgers pride night which is coming up on june 16th which is a pretty good name for a rock band like if you're yeah. an all-girl rock band it's yeah. a pretty good name for a rock band uh, rock bands have mocked religion uh much like Plenty sisters of, of perpetual Sinead o'connor once tore up a picture of the pope on saturday yeah. night live in fact <laughs> uh point being after backlash from the lgbtq plus community and including some um columnists in the Los Angeles area, despite a letter from Senator Marco Rubio to Commissioner Rob Manfred, which is why they removed, the Dodgers initially removed uh, the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence uh, from the list of invitees to Pride Night. They've now been re-invited by the Dodgers after backlash, and they've issued an apology for, for removing the invite to begin with, what, seven days ago. And this has stirred the pot yet again. What's the next response going to be? I immediately thought of what the simple rule should be. A stadium is exactly the opposite of what these nights, it doesn't mean it's pride night, just any night represents, at least to me. Because I use this as an, an escape. Sports are the playground of life. And when you go to a stadium, you don't care who's sitting next to you. Period. You go there because it's about the sports, not about the politics. And over the last several years, it's been very interwoven to where even the teams can't get to the basics of why I would show up and spend money to go to the game in the first place, to watch the team. And instead of watching the team, it's about who's invited and who's not. And that's the issue right now in professional sports. And it's also, it's, it's that it's, simple. It's serve and volley, right? We got this. It's a bad idea by the Dodgers to invite this group and honor this group because it's very, very anti Christian, right? And you want Christians coming to your park just sure. like you want other people coming to your park, everybody coming to your park. So we're going to serve this up to you. And then Marco Rubio is going to return and volley back. And we're going to start this tennis match, and then they're going to yeah. respond to Marco Rubio saying what he had to say to Rob Manfred. They're going to disinvite the group, and now pride groups all over L.A. and Southern California, they're going to get outraged <laughs> and angry. Well, now we got to appease them. So now, okay, you're invited again, and now what's now what's the right going to come oh, back and say? What's going to happen? They're going to turn the down the move? invite. It's I mean, like an invite to the White House now. But just it never ends. That's right. why. My whole well, point is just don't start well, it. I, I just say use common sense. When's the last time you went to your favorite team's stadium and you said, man, 
everything was great except for this Democrat that was sitting next to me. Uh, absolutely. Or, or, or it, it does. You don't care. No, you don't. Because you're it, a fan. It, it was everything was great except for the Jets fan that was sitting next to me. Until you make Steelers it. Fan until a team makes it a thing, and that's what this is. This is self. This is self mutilation by the teams yeah. when they do this. Yeah, I, and, and that's why I say sports are an escape. And I'm not. I'm not looking to lean one way or the other based on whatever the team is telling me is going on that night. You're not going to hear about that on the broadcast. Yeah, if you're gonna if you're gonna honor anything, honor something everyone can agree on. The troops. Right. Now someone's going to come back and say, "What about honor the troops?" Well, well, that's something that should be agreed or, upon. Oh, you know what? Or people who sacrifice well, for us. Does anyone say, "Man, NFL's cool, but they're anti-cancer. I can't stand for that." They 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 give a month to cancer awareness. No. Right. Use common sense and invite everyone. People can agree on that one. Headlines when we return, including the Saints and Commanders flipping votes.